Hi, welcome to All Things Divorce Podcast. I'm Lonnie Sheldon, the host of All Things Divorce Podcast. Today we have Greg Davis on our show, and we'll be talking about the intersection of family law and civil law, which this is really fascinating if you're going through a divorce and there's some other issues outstanding. Um, So a little bit about Greg. Greg is a good friend of mine. He's a very well-respected attorney. He's one of those attorneys that actually cares about his clients uh, and really wants to work hard for them. So I've had cases against Greg. I've worked with him on cases. Uh, Greg has been practicing in Arizona for, well, since 1992. Um, For the lion's share of that time, he has worked for uh, or concentrate on complex family law matters. And he has, um, he, he, that includes high conflict family law matters, custody matters, but also business valuations and complex um, business issues and financial issues. Uh, for the last uh, several years, Greg has helped spearhead the collaborative high or the, sorry, the collaborative divorce movement. He's a founding member of Davis, Blaze, Stone and Holder. And after a year long sabbatical, he is now practicing solo as Davis Limited. Uh, just remember the information provided here is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, Greg and I are licensed to practice law in Arizona. And listening to this podcast does not create an attorney client relationship with either me or Greg. Uh, again, Greg is a good friend of mine and he's very well respected. And so this information that we're going to get from him is, is really, is really interesting information. Um, so Greg, again, we're talking about how case cases near the intersection and really the intersection, I think of civil and family law, what does that look like? And what is that? Well, let me, let me back up one second, because I, it, it occurred to me as I'm listening to your disclaimer if, if you're uh, in the audience and you're listening and you're not from Arizona, um, obviously, I, I'm only licensed in Arizona. So really, uh, I know only Arizona law. But that doesn't mean you can't listen, understand and go to your uh, lawyer from out of Arizona and have a talk with that lawyer about how the concepts we talk about here on all things divorce uh uh, might apply to you because they might. Um, so civil and family, the intersection um, is really, uh, it, it falls into one of two categories. It's either a tort or a contract. Uh, tort uh, is a civil wrong, um, like a personal injury or a slander or a libel or a breach of fiduciary duty uh, where uh, one party uh, owes the other uh, an obligation to consider uh, their interests financially um, and not commit fraud, not lie about money, not hide money, that sort of thing. Um, and then on the other side, there are contracts. So there are business relationships um, which are governed by business documents, business agreements. Um, and each of those has their own intersection with family law. Uh, where torts are concerned, um, very often, uh, especially in domestic violence cases, one spouse will have a claim against the other. And uh, in Arizona, uh, I have had uh, a number of occasions 
where my clients have come into me as victims of domestic violence within the last two years, because two years is the statute of limitations in Arizona for personal injuries. And so I will often um, suggest to the client that we do two things, that we file the divorce to make sure their uh, marriage is, is ended uh, and their uh, children are protected and their assets are divided, but at the same time, file a civil lawsuit for battery uh, because uh, with battery, you get, or you have an opportunity to get um, damages for your medical bills, damages for your pain and suffering, um, punitive damages, which uh, are designed to punish the wrongdoer and others that are similarly situated from committing such conduct in the future. And I found that, um, especially in domestic violence cases, it's a very, very effective strategy to uh, uh, get the best outcome you can get. Okay, and so let's let's kind of talk about that because I know I had a case, um, and and we eventually we had threatened to sue uh, civilly, but had eventually waived that in the mediation. But one of them was, um, in this case, uh, my client had, um, well, the other client had cheated, the other side had cheated and gave her um, a sexually transmitted disease. Ah. So, I mean, one that didn't go away. Um, yeah. So keeps on giving. The one that keeps on giving. Yes. Yeah. So would that be something that someone could sue for? Absolutely. I've done that before. Uh, so. There, there are a couple of things to watch out for. So, um, uh, on the on the one hand, uh, it's certainly uh, actionable under Arizona law. You can sue for negligent uh, transmission of a sexually transmitted disease. Um, that is uh, completely uh, recognized in Arizona uh, and uh, is a valid cause of action. Um, on the other hand, when you do that, you have to prove um, uh, that uh, it, it that that you actually uh, didn't have a sexually transmitted disease before your partner gave it to you. And so, uh, I've had a, a female client. Uh, who alleged that her husband um, transmitted herpes to her um, by cheating. And unfortunately, it also means that all of her gynecological records from since the beginning of her marriage uh, and even before um, are fair game for discovery. And so the other side then has an absolute right to all of the uh, plaintiff or my client at the time's uh, records. That is uh, or can be humiliating. Nobody wants that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, it was important for me to convey to my client, you know, you have a good case here, um, but be prepared to show uh, your records uh, from the beginning of time. 
having said that, there's another sexually transmitted disease, HPV, which is virtually ubiquitous now. I think uh, the latest statistic is 80% of people who've had sexual intercourse at least once in their life carry this uh, virus. And so um, if there's a, uh, uh, if there's a history of HPV or, or at least reference to it in uh, prior gynecological or uh, urological records, um, then the question's going to be, how much damage did you really suffer? And I, I can't tell you how many, uh, 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 how many doors that opens that you probably don't want opened. Uh, and so those kinds of cases get nasty and um, too many people who start them wish they never had. Uh, and so those are, uh, those are risky. But, uh, you know, if, if you've been the victim of, of domestic violence, uh, those, those cases are quite clear cut oftentimes. Uh, and uh, one of the greatest things about filing a battery case along with the divorce is uh, it's a huge incentive to settle because very few lawyers practice both civil and family. Now, I happen to do that. And so my client has the advantage because my client only has to hire one lawyer. Uh, if necessary, I get to take two different depositions of the same person. Um, uh, and as we all know, it's not difficult to catch somebody, uh, in a contradiction under oath when you get to ask the questions twice. Um, and so it's a, it's a huge strategic advantage if used properly. And, uh, it's less expensive for my client than it is for the other, uh, uh, party on the other side, because they have to hire two lawyers and my client doesn't. Somehow, hold on. I'm somehow going out of focus. Hold on. Let's see if that. Not sure what's going on here. Your fingers in focus, but my your fingers face... in focus, but my face is not in focus. I guess we'll just keep going. That's starting to be a little. There we go. It's a little more in focus now. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and are these tri- are these cases tried together or are they tried separately? And can they be consolidated? Um. So I have had. Uh, three or four cases. I can think of three, but I think there might have been a fourth uh, where the opposing party tried to consolidate the cases to save money and time. Uh, so there would only be one trial. Um, and my client opposed it uh, each time and succeeded. Uh, uh, how did so- they, what did they, what was the basis of not doing it? Uh, the basis of not doing it is the superior court, the family court, um, can't have a jury. And therefore, uh, my client, who's entitled to a jury trial um, for the civil case, uh, can't uh, uh, have all his or her constitutional rights uh, upheld when the family court is uh, the trier of fact in a tort case. Um, 
and and so it 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 worked every time that said i can uh, i i've heard decent arguments on the other side that a family court can have an advisory jury can actually bring a jury in to hear the civil aspects of the case um uh, because there is one superior court and judges on the family bench are designated as family court judges, but that's an administrative uh, distinction and not a constitutional one. So do you, do you ever, um, how often do you take it like all the way to trial? Do you typically settle first because it is sort of one of those things that's really good leverage? Yeah, they, uh, I, I've tried one uh, in uh, about 25 years of, of between my first one and my last one. Uh, one went to trial and we prevailed. But it, it's, it's very uh, rare because the, the um, uh, especially when there are children, the perpetrator of domestic violence wants, uh, wants the domestic violence aspect uh, of the case to go away very quickly. Uh, and so um, I can usually obtain uh, proper compensation for my client uh, in the form of a settlement or an augmented divorce settlement rather than uh, having to go all the way through a trial. Now, that said, on the other side of the coin from a, uh, a domestic violence case, there are business cases which require uh, aspects of civil law to be brought in. Um, for example, a breach of fiduciary duty where uh, it, uh, under Arizona law, uh, spouses owe each other fiduciary duties. And so a husband owes a wife a fiduciary duty. A wife owns owes a husband a fiduciary duty. That means when uh, uh, the wife uh, uh, opens a secret uh, account uh, in her own name and siphons off a little money every month, uh, uh, or a husband uh, who's self-employed pockets uh, a little bit of money every month, um, those things constitute breaches of fiduciary duty, and they they uh, uh, support independent lawsuits. Um, there are also cases where one spouse will own a community business. Uh, so let's say a wife owns an interior decorating business, and uh, husband. Uh, notices that wife has been uh, siphoning off money every single month and uh, the business is not doing well. Or uh, husband owns a pool cleaning business and is uh, not, uh, uh, let's say husband owns the pool cleaning business and uh, husband gives away his business's clients to his father, who also owns a pool cleaning business. Um, in that circumstance, I'm going to come in and probably want to file a civil lawsuit and have a receiver appointed 
to take over the pool cleaning business to prevent husband from tanking it by giving everything to his father. Um, and I'll probably bring his father into the lawsuit as well. Um, and those are actually facts from a case I had uh, a, a decade ago. Um, uh, and the, the husband did not roll over very easily. Uh, the husband uh, claimed he owed his father a bunch of money. Uh, we did end up filing a separate lawsuit. Uh, we succeeded in having the court appoint a receiver. And the receiver, uh, who uh, was a, a pretty well-known business valuation expert in Arizona, um, uh, made uh, findings that... Um, the business received no value whatsoever for the customers that husband transferred to his father's business. And uh, the father uh, ended up having to give all the customers back. Now that's, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know about you, um, but it seems like the family court is not as interested in um, ordering receivers take over a business, but, I'm assuming then in civil court, they're probably, you know, that's probably a more common thing to happen. And is the, is doing it through the civil court um, easier to get it? It is. Um, when you have a more experienced family court judge that maybe has served a rotation on civil, uh, the uh, family court judge is more likely to be willing to appoint a receiver. Uh, however, there is no family court rule of procedure that governs the appointment of a receiver. Uh, on the other hand, there is a civil uh, rule with respect to appointment of a receiver. And so um, unless the family court uh, is willing to stick its neck out, so to speak, and go above and beyond what the family court might think is its responsibility, um, a civil suit's gonna be required. Uh, there, likewise, uh, I know we have um, some amendments to the family uh, uh, rules coming up. I think one of them uh, uh, permits a family court judge to appoint a guardian ad litem for a mentally uh, or physically incapacitated uh, uh, spouse in the middle of the divorce. Um, it used to be that some judges on the family court bench would be willing to appoint that guardian in the family case, and other uh, judges would say, I can't do that, go to probate court and have that done there. Um, and, and so it was very unpredictable. Um, but family, family law intersects with every other uh, area of law uh, that I can think of. Uh, well, that's, that's, it is true. And it's really interesting. So maybe I can have you back to also do you know, maybe the intersection of, of probate or wills and, and things like that, because those all um, sort of go together also. They can, yes. Um, now, let's, I, I know I had asked you to talk about, can they be consolidated? Um, and is is being consolidated and tried together the same thing? Or can Usually. those be different? Okay. They can be different. I mean, the court can consolidate and then uh, administratively bifurcate for purpose of trial only. Um, I've never seen it happen, but it could happen. 
the family court could hear all aspects of the case not related to the civil controversy and then appoint a jury for a separate jury trial on those issues. Frankly, that seems like a reasonable thing to do to me. Um, but uh, uh, the way the court is uh, headed these days and the way the Court of Appeals uh, uh, is uh, looking at family court and uh, being uh, trying to limit the family court's uh, responsibility uh, to fix problems not properly within Title 25 of the Arizona Revised Statutes, uh, I, would, I would probably uh, advise against that. Yeah, it's interesting because it does seem like we we came so far this one way um, where they were trying to fix things. And now we're going actually way back to how it was before where it's like, nope, let's just do the divorce, cut it up and and we're done. Um, And so I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what's better. I, I, you know, part of me wants the the courts to solve problems. And the other part of me says the court should get out of the problems. But, um, you know, so. Who who knows? Uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a whole nother podcast that we can have. You know, several people come in and debate it. Uh, that might be fun. Absolutely, and you know, the one thing everyone agrees on is the court should never become the problem. True. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, and there are times when the court becomes the problem. Right. That that happens, and the and the mental health professionals who are trying to to help sometimes become the problem. Absolutely. Uh, so, okay, well, well, thank you so much for talking to us about the intersection of civil and family law today. Um, it was great having you on the show today. And um, I look forward to, to having you on again, if you're willing. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? And by the way, this, like all podcasts, I will have uh, Greg Davis's contact information down below um, and available in case you want to reach him and, and, you know, hire him um, or just consult with him and ask him some questions. He's very knowledgeable. He's been doing it for 30 years. So we will put all of his information and contact information down below. Always happy to answer questions. Thank you for having me, Lonnie. Thank you, Greg. It was good to have you here.